Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is. Uh, I am Kevin Koval, the host of The Corner Store, and today is a special day, man. We have someone who, who whose work I, I've admired for a very long time, who I've wanted to get on the, on the show before, um, someone who... It, uh, always, but as as of late, especially has repped lovely for the city. Uh, has done work recently to bring black and brown communities together. Is one of the most incredible style writers uh, around the world. Uh, someone who blends uh, seamlessly the ancient practices of graffiti and calligraphy to create something new altogether. Uh, we have tubs in the building sir welcome man thank you thank you man that was a hell of an introduction dude hey, it's fast <laughs> like, I, don't even, I don't even know what to say thank you man i'm i'm, I'm honored um, to be sitting here with you uh, talking you know and um thank you i, I really appreciate the invite no bro thank you i'm excited to get into it um you know i think i think it's probably as good of a place as any to start is just you have been uh, in this moment of, of COVID and in shelter, you you have not stopped. You you are very active in the streets. And recently, you just had this mural uh, happen and then get taken down and then be put up bigger in in a in in a incredible and historic site. Um, but this black and brown unity mural is something that you've been integral to, uh, and and now people can go see it. Um, it's 79th and is it Stony Island? Yeah, 79th and Stony. Yeah, uh, right on the old uh, and, and and historic Leon's Barbecue. Um, yeah, across the street from the Regal. Regal Theater, of course. Yep, and that mural that's that stands there. And you guys tributed that that I mean, what what a what a dynamic uh, space now, you, you know? Um, yeah, when I when they first told me that um, they were going to open up that space to us, I was like. Regal, I'm like, hold up. I'm like, there's a, like, I know Max Sang Sing has another wall over there, but I'm like, there's something big over there. And sure enough, I was like, oh man, I Googled it and I pulled it up and I was like, man, we're really going to be across the street from this Chicago, like, historic mural that's been rocking since like the 70s. And it's in, you know, like, and it's in pristine condition, man. So definitely we had to, we had to come correct, you know, being, across the street from that that wall from that building being on Leon's um yeah man we had to we had to really come hard with it no and and you got I mean you guys did tell us a little about the the origination of the project and and the iterations of the project because that that obviously is not the first place that this project was intended to to take place no it was not so man it was just like a series of events you know that uh, of everything that happened you know with uh George Floyd protests, you know, um, the the protest downtown that led to looting and then led to all these rumors of race wars um, between black and white communities. So there was like so many things that were popping off, and I know everybody was like, "Man, like every time you look, either on TV or on your phone, there was just something crazy going down," you know, like. And can we can we go back? Can we go back a second? Because you said rumors of, of of a race war, and I think that's important to say and and to really like just unpack a little bit because there were ridiculous things being said, particularly on social media, about divisions between black and brown communities. And of course, each each community 
and you know interracially there are there are issues in groups um, but not only does all of this stem from you know the maintenance and 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 persistence of white supremacy but but that rumor it, it was not true to the extent that uh, it was you know promulgated in in, in the in, in the city yeah exactly that's what you know it was rumors um, even the rumors were spreading to the point where even my family in Texas and stuff were like hitting me up. They were seeing videos posted and different things on Twitter and Instagram. They're like, yo, what's going on? It's cool. And they're just checking in, you know? I'm like, I'm like, we're good. Um, so when I started hearing these rumors, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the stuff that was popping off online. And I was like, man, like, I don't, I don't ride with that at all. Like, you know, I'm like, this is, if anything, this is the time when we should be unified, stand behind our black brothers and sisters. Um, solidarity um, and unity with them and I was you know calling some of my homies um, I, I called Max Sansing I called um, um, this other art collector I won't say his name it was very private um, I started talking to him about it he's he's also a black man here in Chicago so I, we were talking like man what's going on what are you hearing you know this is this and that he's like he heard the same thing there's a lot of uh, rumors where Mexicans come over here, you know, they're going to get popped off and vice versa. And I'm like, man, that's, we got to like, we got to like, what can I do as an artist to put a stop to that rumor? But at the same time, you know, put a, um, put some kind of a initiative, you know, to stand behind my black brothers and sisters during this time where we're trying to smash race, racism trying to put an end to uh, police brutality and different things like this. I'm like, I, you know, I, I can't really get out there as much as I would like protesting, right? So I'm like, as an artist, like, I feel like my lane of protest is art, it's visual. I'm like, that's my lane, right? Like, I got to do something. And it wasn't, it was just burning. I'm like, dude, I got to do something. I'm like, you know what? Let me get some artists together that are my friends that I really respect and Let's have some kind of balance here. Let's do black and brown. Let's bring up, you know, sit down. Not sit down, but, you know, talk about a concept. Um, and let's put it on a wall. Let's find a space. So then I think it was a Tuesday. I had the idea of, um, you know, putting it together. Started making a bunch of phone calls. Started getting artists. Everybody was on board. Um, artists were myself, static Dreads, um, Cool Joe, Scent Rock, uh, Milt One, uh, Rico, and myself. Sorry if I'm leaving anyone out, uh, but that's an incredible squad right there. That's that's yeah, these, these are all homies like that I've known for 15 plus years. And Rico's my brother-in-law. We worked on a lot of projects together too. And so I told him he's like, I'm willing to help. And I really didn't expect everybody to be able to really get down within a few days, you know, but everyone stood behind it like, nah, dude, we gotta do this. Like, this is a message that's important. I'm like, let's do it. So I, I also contacted um, Delilah from, she's the owner of Vault Gallery. We were talking about some other project and I mentioned this to her and she was like, hey, I can help. So then she, she helped uh, kind of with the logistics and she even reached out to a couple of businesses to let them know what we were going to do if they wanted to support. So, like, I think Topo Chico was like 
bring in they they kind of sponsored us with a bunch of waters and different things um businesses um came through dropped off food during the whole actual project so you know going back a little bit when we were trying to put this idea together there was one image of that i seen online was the black and brown hand like you know together holding each other's hand and that was really powerful so that was definitely one idea that we had to throw in there um static did a uh, tribute to Brianna taylor and i uh, collaborated with him I, in my calligraphy style i wrote uh, say her name um then our dreads threw an image of a black woman some rock did his character repping the mexican flag bandana um then Kujo also had um, one of the characters that was um, his, his hands were linked with set rocks um, and then on the other end of the wall Milt did a uh, a image of Benito Juarez mm. and then around the hands linked together I wrote black and brown unity and just like that image alone once I mean we knocked it out in a day we got very excited in the morning we knocked it out it was just like crazy everybody was on point we had people come through and at the same time there was like a protest going down a gathering at a union park so there was a lot of traffic right, going yeah. on and man it, i mean the wall was just like it came out so dope like everyone just put everything they had into that wall i you know i, I added a lot of different things in the background i wrote out blm love unity black and brown unity throughout the wall and just when we finished man it felt so good like you know what this is kind of what we need to do this is something this is a message that when people come by they drive by they're gonna be like oh this is like powerful just the images alone and then with the text the lettering it was um it, it was an amazing wall it was an amazing yeah, it was wall. beautiful beautiful stuff i mean you guys you're right crushed masterpiece theater and then Thank less you. than 24 hours right yeah after you painted hours what happened um, the, the next day we had a photographer that was going to go out there i think like six in the morning to document take some pictures and when they showed up the white the wall was like white completely white and also on the other side of the viaduct there was another kobe bryant mural. and then next to us on the south side of that wall there was a, yeah another section of a kobe bryant mural that had his uh, his image and his daughter and then a 24. so all that around this was left untouched but the black and brown images that were up there were whitewashed. Like completely, Lit- yeah, whitewashed literally, gone. literally whitewashed. Right? It's crazy. I don't know if they like did that, you know, with the message with that white or I feel like they did. I feel like they're look, they're playing in the realm of visual aesthetics. I yeah. I mean maybe they're not let us they're probably not that smart, obviously. <laughs> but damn. Yeah, so I mean we were just like you know, I woke up to my phone. Delilah was just blowing me up, like all these messages, and I was like, "What?" The? We couldn't believe it. I mean, we've had walls, you know, as graffiti artists, you know, coming up in the '90s of the bluff hitting so hard. Like we're used to that, man. Like it happens, bro. Like you know, same street art, whatever graffiti, whatever you want to call it. Like it's not, it's not forever, dude. So it's kind of like you know, we got that leather skin when it comes to that. But this one was different, bro. This one was different. Like I felt like it was a like a, a reply to what we put out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't want to see black and brown faces here, especially that. Like, nah, bro, this ain't going to rock. I mean, so that, that's the scariest thing to, to white supremacy is black and brown unity, right? That, that I mean, that would shake it to its core, right? I mean, yeah. and that's part of the reason, you know, why 
whiteness stokes divisions between groups, between people who, you know, are, you know, or ought to be maybe in solidarity with one another. Yes, yes. So we were like, man, just we started calling everyone. Like, we got to show up. Whoever can show up to the wall, let's get out here. We need to start putting eyes on this wall, social media. Um, we had um, Tanya uh, Lozano from The Healthy Hood. Um, she works a lot with Delilah. So she put out a post. Um, she started reaching out to her connects. And the word just started spreading. I went live, started uh, you know talking about it, sharing with everyone on, on my social media about what happened. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. Like, man, this is just, just wrong. Um, and, and it hurt, man. It kind of like it was a mix of a mix of emotions, like anger, of course, like disappointment. But you know, like, you know, it took a little bit of time for it to soak in and be like, okay, like it's cool, like we got you. Don't worry, this is not going to stop us, man. Like, I think on one of my lives, I went like, okay, thank you. Like, this is the fuel that I needed to like really push even harder. Right. Um. So. So yeah. yeah so you you all rallied brilliantly. I mean, and then yeah. turned around. A whole nother production days later? Yes, yeah, so I think it was two, two weeks, three weeks later. Um, we started getting all the support, you know, from just people all over Chicago, people from all over the US, man. Did like, I want to help? How can we help? We can help. And this is where, you know, Delilah really stepped in. She was like, you know, let's just start to funnel the support somehow. Like, a lot of people were offering to help us monetarily. And then, um, so we're like, all right, cool, let's set up a GoFundMe. Um, and we, we set up the GoFundMe. We put a really high number on there, you know, not going to lie. And, but it, we did that because there were so many heavy hitters on that wall, and everybody donated their time. We even had a one of uh, my collectors actually bought all the spray paint, all the paint for us. Like, wow. he dropped, like, a stack. Wow. So it was, it was, like, a lot that everybody donated to have. So... You know, plus you get eight artists on a project. That's, you know, it's, it's a lot. So that's kind of how we started that high number. We didn't really expect to get that much support. And man, it just started picking up steam. I mean, it came out on, uh, I think we had maybe Sean out there talking about it. ABC um, 7 interviewed a few people. So the GoFundMe picked up steam. We raised about, I think, 15 grand for not just to redo the next wall, the one that we just did, but actually use this money to supply, give um, supplies to other artists who want to spread the same message. So cool, you know, like just from one wall being taken away, like now you actually helped us, you know, produce 10 more. You know, not even for myself. Like if there's another artist out there who can't buy spray paint and it's like, you know what, man, I want to say this. I I really want to bring this message across. Now they have the opportunity to, because all they do is got to reach out, and we're there to help them. So yeah, it's just one, one wall being whitewashed is turning into like ten more. Yeah, no man, it's it's impressive, and and of and of course you know folks can can go online uh, and see it, but also go you know go to 79th and Stony and see it. Uh, Tubbs, as we're, as we're talking and, and people want to follow along and see some of the visuals, where's the best place people could get you online? Where, where should they go to look? Uh, my Instagram, which is at Tubzilla. So T-U-B-S-Z underscore I-L-L-A. Okay, bet. Um, all right, man. Well, let, let, look, let's go back. I mean, you are, you are one of the most recognizable 
style writers in Chicago history uh, and beyond Chicago, of course, your impact, you know, resonates uh, throughout throughout the globe. Um, Like, how did you begin to want to paint? Um, man, like art goes deep, like in, in, in my family, for real. My, my father is an artist, my mother's an artist. Um, like my aunts were always taking pictures. They weren't like professional photographers, but I always remember them taking photos, photographs, documenting everything. You know, my grandmothers were always really creative. Um, so it's, it's in the blood, man, honestly. And then since I was a, a young kid, I mean, I always remember being surrounded by art. My father was always painting. Uh, his, he always had an attic studio. And, you know, me just watching him, he would try to set up different things for me to paint when I was really young. Um, but when it came to the calligraphy, I actually learned from my mother. Uh, I remember being really young, probably about five, maybe when you started, four or five, when you just started to write. And she would sit me down at the table. She has amazing calligraphy, amazing script. Her hand styles like beat me like no yeah, it's crazy wow yeah. so she she was sitting me down and I remember like summertime being there like at the table and she was like okay you gotta fill this whole notebook you gotta practice these hand styles and you gotta practice these letters doing this and this and that while she's you know doing her calligraphy and you're a kid man you want to go out and play you don't want to sit there right you know it was just it was, I remember just being so pissed but little did I you know realize at that time she was really planting the seeds, man, like planting the seeds for the love of letters and understanding the structure of letters and typography even. And then just, you know, being surrounded by art. And then... Now, how did how did your mom, if I can't, how did your mom, I mean, is your mom... She's self-taught. She's self-taught. Yeah. What what does she do or what did she, I mean, did she, was she in... No, my mother worked, but at the same time, um, you know, just for extra money, helping the family out. Uh, wedding invitations, things like that. She would, uh, she would do it just because she had a love for art as well. And um, yeah, she really instilled that in me and wow. my father as well. He was more traditional, like. And um, but yeah, my mom. I got a shout out to my mom. For real, <laughs> for real. Now, what does she, what does she think about your work now? She loves it. Um, you know, my parents are some of my one of biggest supporters for sure. It wasn't always like that, you know, because by. Right. You know, history and graffiti and, we're, you know, getting locked up numerous amount of times for graph. And, like, you know, honestly, not me now as a father. Like, I don't want to get that call, like, three, four in the morning, like, hey, jail. Like, I'm locked up or this and this and that. So I understood their, I understand now their frustration. So it wasn't always support. Yeah. But once they started seeing that I was maturing as an artist, if you want to say, you know, maturing, it really started to turn it into something bigger. You know, then they were like, okay. Well, and, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious about those those phases of your maturation, too. So your mom, you know, sits you down and you begin to understand letters and calligraphy. When do you then make a, make a step toward or into the graffiti space? Um, I would think, I think that was when I was really young as well, when I really started to first notice graffiti, like around 10, 11. And I, I remember seeing like a tag, a script tag, and I was like... Like, they're doing script tabs. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I can write. Like, they, I've been seeing this my whole life. And they're doing, how are they doing it? And then just talking to my cousins. And then in school, you start noticing people with markers. And like, yo, what is that dude? And then they're like, hey, you know how to draw? Like, yeah. And then it's just 
you know, once you meet your homies in school, once you on the bus, like, hey, I got a, I got a black book out of the magazine. Like, what is, what is that? And then it was just like, bam, just instant addiction to graffiti letters because it was already like in my brain. Yeah. But this was just like on a whole different level. Like, I just remember that feeling of just like an explosion of ideas because of graffiti around me. Do you, and I was just sucked in, man. Do you remember, were, are there certain writers or crews when you were a kid that you remember seeing that kind of drew you in that much more? Yeah, so, you know, I was fortunate to have a lot of, like, older family that were graffiti writers around me. So, you know, being a shorty, popping into the cousin's house and seeing a lot of the old school guys was really awesome. You know, I was fortunate to build some of those relationships with them as well. So, like, war crew, um, saw crew, bus crew, um, remember, like, the old uh, cab crew guys, um, some writers in particular, like, I remember seeing a lot of tempers, hands down. Yeah. Konami. Yeah. Seeing those guys crush it. I mean, the list goes on, like, Flash, like, uh, there's so many, I, I can't even name, but just being a kid, riding the train, my mom, parents, driving, you know, here and there, just really being inspired by those, like, 80s and, and 90, 90s uh, graffiti writers. Yeah, of course. Really pushed me. And so, um, what, what high school, can you say what high school you went to? Yeah, so, well, it's a, it's a, I don't, you know what, I don't even want to say it. Okay, all right, that, yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess what, a, a better question, and this was my next question, you know, what crew, uh, or what crews did you become a part of? So, growing up, we had our own little crew that we started between, you know, a few of our own individual friends and family, which was ODS, and ODS crew had a lot of different meanings. Well, one of them was like, on that shit. Um, our dirty south, one dope style. Like we, you know how the crew, <laughs> yeah, right, crew, right. You flip, so flip we learned names. a lot. We learned a lot because that was like our statement. This is like, man, this that was us, like going out there, just putting it on the line to, uh, you know, rep our set, rep, rep the crew. And then once the other crews that were, you know, a little more established, well known, seeing that we were getting up, they're like, all right, and now we know you're not not a bunch of toys. Like, let's get down, let's get down. So we started painting with them, and then, you know, eventually get the invite to join the, the Real Deal crew, which was War Crew. And, yeah, I've been War for quite a while since, um, I would say, early 2000s. Okay. Um, and then and then at some point, um, you know, because you, 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 you know, have had a run as a, as a graffiti writer, at what point do you start to get interested in studio work? So, um, really, I would say right around the time when my girlfriend like said that she was pregnant. I remember she was saying that she told me that she was pregnant, and I was like, "Okay, it's getting real." You know, I gotta. I know I can create something with all these books that I've had of calligraphy, and I never really put it out. You know, I was doing all types of lettering, old English, different like tattoos for friends and tattoo design for friends and I was like man I gotta like I need money too you know to support my family and graffiti graffiti usually takes away from the bank you know so I need something to add to the bank um, and I was like okay this is where I gotta you know step it up and be a little bit more professional and look at it more as a, a business right um, but still having love for the graph and respecting the game but hey everybody's gotta eat so I'm like, this is this is the this is the best thing that I can do is really take this talent 
what I've been blessed with and formulate it into something where it could bring revenue so I can support my family. And yeah, so it was really around that time where I started hitting canvases like hard, just black books like or sketchbooks. I started hitting them differently, like trying to understand the art world. Yeah, I think I was trying to figure out how to put my work into the art world. So then I started looking at um, other artists that were doing things similar to me. Um, you know, OGs in the game, like Retina, Shu, those guys were like on another level, you know, Retina and Chaz Bohorquez, he's like the godfather. Yeah, straight up, like everything, all respects, everybody bows down to that home because he's the originator of this. Respective, like, yeah. Yeah, the Chicano, like lettering, every style, everything, that's, that's Chaz. And I actually had a chance to chop it up with him too, it was amazing. But anyway, so looking at those guys, I'm like, man, these guys can do it. Like they take in that Chicano style, that LA style, the Cholo, Panchuco, whatever you want to call it. They've taken it, they created their own, and they're putting it out there. And these people are like eating it up, man. And, and you know, they're they're taking it to another level. I have to figure out my style. Whoa, what can I do that represents Shy Town? Real Southside Chicago stuff, like. So, of course, some of the first um, calligraphy styles beside my mother that inspired me was gangbanging lettering. You know, you see it. You know, walk out the house, down the street, you see the old English black letter fonts. So that was like the real, like, second inspiration. I'm like, man, I gotta, I know how to do all these letters. What can I, how can I break them down or, like, abstract them that still represent, you know, that street culture, the... The, the Mexican um, culture, but have it my own, my own style. So just, just in the lab, man, in the lab, tons of books, tons of failed canvases. And so you have that moment. I think everybody has that moment where they do something and it's just like, boom, like this is it. Cool. So then I just really, Instagram popped off like around that time. I think it's like, what, 11, 12 years ago? Yeah. IG is when he started taking it taken off and then that's when I just started hitting IG with it and then I just seen like the response people were hitting me up um so yeah it was it was from that point it, it took quite a while to kind of like have me jump out of that that show or kind of oh it was a show but just kind of like keeping it to myself or to the homies and you know on, on the streets putting it in the galleries, you know, yeah, it was a big step. In. Well, and now, of course, of course, I mean, it's it's a it's a different it's a different space altogether. And, and now, I mean, even as you've you've referenced in in this chat, like you have collectors, you have, I mean, I've seen you in a handful of galleries in Chicago alone. Um, and, and so, I mean, that transition. What has that been like? That transition from, you know, the street to the gallery and just to be now, I mean, now, right, a decade plus in, you're, you know, a, a increasingly established figure in the art world in this city and beyond. Thank you. Um, can you repeat that one more time? Well, just what, what is it like? I, I just, I know that, the, the, you know, when I think of the, the, some of the gallery spaces that we've been at and in together, it's very different than, you know, than putting up a tag you know what I mean and, and like in some of the street yeah. spaces it's um it's definitely a, a learning a learning curve it's, it's something that you kind of just got to get in man and learn like I made a lot of mistakes I'm not gonna lie but who doesn't right if you don't really um, immerse yourself in it 
and you know you gotta be smart but we do make mistakes and there's there's no l's there's only lessons right so hmm. yeah i took those those l's and, and turned them into lessons so the next time i went into galleries i know what to do level you know level up step my game up you know never put the blame on anybody else man i took it i'm like you know what no that's my fault for not being on point i just tried harder tried harder tried to put my work on the next level what is you know what are not necessarily trying to appeal appeal to people, but there's certain things that I feel like you can do to your work, how either you, you the materials you use or how you present them, that says a lot as well, and how you uh, kind of even break down the message to about that, give a story, really, an explanation, instead of people just seeing it, you know, give a little dialect behind the piece. You know, people, I feel like when, when you start putting that story out there and they see that you know, this is your genuine story, this is your life, it adds like a whole other element to it. Yeah. So that was something that I had to learn as well, along with other things. So I'm still learning, man. Like I'm still learning, you know, and yeah, just linking up with other artists, learning from them. Then even talking with you, man, when we're at the galleries, like just talking about our experiences, um, different points of view from, from people that are in the art world, that always helps. So it's just, uh, I think it's a constant learning um, yeah. Yeah, man. Of course. And and all right, man. So so look, I, and and your your studio work, your canvas work, you know, your work on non-traditional materials is just it's so elevated, it's so beautiful. Um Thank you. what what are some of the things that you are excited about working on now? I mean, I'm I'm always I'm always going to love painting outside, man, like murals and canvases. And I, I think for me right now, I want to see how big I can go. I've done some some pretty good sized murals, but I'm really hoping that uh, you know some things pull through. Um, which is, everyone's kind of like in limbo right now with big projects because of you know COVID. Um, so I'm hoping that I have the opportunity, you know, even if it's not this summer or this fall, uh, to go big. I really want to do something big here in Chicago, um, and you know, just kind of get it out of my system, man. I want to I want to put a positive message out there on a big wall. And you know, let, let, once I put it out there, I feel like whenever whenever I do a big wall like that, once I put it out there, I feel like it's not mine anymore. It's not mine. Like it's it's the people's. It's the people's. Like I did the Chicago flag and Pilsen. They were like, "Oh, this is awesome. This is yours." I was like, "No, it's not just mine. Like this is yours. It's like this is the, this is people you know from the neighborhood. This is this is Chicago's mural. It's not just mine anymore." So I want to you know go big that people see it and they're like, "Wow, man, this makes me proud of." Of where I live, you know, there's, you know, like it's not just Chirac, it's not, you know, it's just these negative connotations about our city. We give you pride, right? Pride, like, you know, walking on the street or taking a train, you see that makes you proud of, of where you live and your, your heritage, your culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 I, I, one more question before I let you get out of here and, and back to your family. Um, you know, so, so what does that? You work outside, and that is one kind of practice. And then you have an indoor studio practice. How do you balance the two, and how much attention do you pay to each? Yeah, that can be difficult at times, man. It's just something that I had to learn throughout the years as well, like being organized. Um, having a game plan helps, man. Having a game plan really, really helps. So, of course, you know, you do bigger walls outside. It's going to take more material, more supplies, more time. 
So, you know, learning how the, the logistics of a law really, uh, really, you know, do your research when it comes to the law or like, how, how am I going to attack this? It's just, it took me a long time to understand that too. And then also, you know, reach out to people. Um, there's, there's people that are always willing to help. So collaborate with other people, they can help you, you know, with a lot of different things. So it, it depends, man. It, sometimes with the studio work it can be easy and then other times it could be really challenging because it's just like one-on-one you and the canvas man you're there for days and you're really trying to figure it out that's right and other times it could be very simple you know it just it just flows out of you so yeah i think it's just being prepared man really under knowing yourself as an artist like what do you got to do to get in that zone prepared for that that, that canvas that you need to paint it? what do you have to do physically or mentally to get ready for that big wall so knowing yourself as an artist going in with a game plan understanding the wall going up to it even touching it man like i gotta go to the wall and touch it now because texture and all that like it plays a huge role because i'm using brushes so a lot of times other homies are using aerosol you don't really think about the texture if it's if it's buff painted ready to go you're cool but me i have to see what kind of break it is like how is it going to soak it in or what's the texture because if I'm going over with this, you know, eight-inch brush, a lot of times, if you know, it's like a, a brownstone that's been painted over, it's going to be really a real challenge. So that'll double the time. So yeah, man, it's a lot of elements, bro. We just learn as we go. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, man, I I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the conversation. One more time, so folks could stay in tune with everything that you're doing um, in 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 the streets and in the studio. Um, people can follow my work at. Tubzilla on Instagram, T U B S Z underscore I L L A. True. Well, yo, man, uh, it's it's uh, it's a pleasure, an honor, and thank you for all the work and all the work of late. And uh, I'm I'm excited for all the work ahead. So thanks so much for being in the corner store, man. No, man, thank you. I um, thank you for you know opening up this platform to amazing artists, poets, all types of people, man. This is. Um, this is I, I really admire you for what you're doing for the work you've done thank you man I, I really do appreciate it shout out our super producer DJ Cashera big up boss man Todd Manley thank you to our official corner store photog Mercedes Zapata salutes to the snack door Max also please y'all follow our instagram it's corner underscore pod on ig on twitter tell us who you want to see in the corner store and also please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our patreon account it's patreon.com corner store underscore pod the corner store is brought to you by stolen spirits